0: Oh my god. (laughs) We are at episode 10 of the Clan the Stage podcast. This is a bit of a milestone. I'm pretty excited. I feel like it's a rite of passage for many podcasters to approach episode 10 and leap over similar to what the the brownies do when they become girl scouts i believe it's it's sort of like a graduation ceremony from new podcaster to less new podcaster <laughs> i'm angela lucier i am your host and i'm very very excited for this episode because as i have mentioned in past episodes this is our mystery episode which means i did not know what i was doing until today <laughs> It's a mystery for me. It's a mystery for you. (laughs) And I had been on vacation for the last two weeks. And as I was on vacation, I kept thinking, like, what should I do for the mystery episode? And then I'll quickly say, will you stop thinking about work? (laughs) And then I'd be like, but I really want to think about that episode. What should I do? And I would take notes here and there and send myself emails and just, you know, overhear conversations and think, Hmm, maybe I should do that or maybe I should do that. And, I, and I just kept going back and forth and then finally today I said no. I know what I'm going to do and it's not any of those things I thought about earlier. So, I'm just going to quickly tell you a little bit about my vacation and then we'll get into the the exciting part of the mystery episode. I did so much on this vacation, and I should say, as a business owner, I rarely take vacation. I always forget to do it. I know that sounds really weird, but I have so much stuff going on, and I love it so much that every day just feels like the most fun I could ever have, so why would I take vacation? (laughs) And then I remembered, like, oh, yeah, it's good to do other things and actually leave your street and leave your office and, you know, (laughs) um, travel. So, I went to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. I um, hiked uh, Mount Liberty and hiked across the Franconia Ridge, which if you have not done that and you have any interest in going into the woods or proving to yourself how strong you are and how capable you are of doing basically anything, I highly recommend getting some hiking boots, packing a bag, and hiking that mountain. It is amazing. It's like climbing a staircase for four miles. You may be thinking, why would I do that to myself? But what's amazing about it is when you get to the top and you say, I just climbed that. It's like if you're trying to build confidence in yourself and you want to build self-esteem and just feel good about yourself, hike a mountain. (laughs) I got up there. I'm like, who needs a house built? Anybody like need CPR, need like a heart transplant? I feel like I could probably do anything right now. And it's just amazing. And then. We camped at the top of the mountain, and then we walked across the ridge of three mountains. And and these particular... Mountains are above the tree line. So the top of these mountains are bald. And you can see for miles. It's so beautiful. And it's in New Hampshire. I felt like I was in South America or something. It's just so gorgeous. It's breathtaking. And it's such an accomplishment to do. So if you have some time this summer, that took me three days to go up to go across and go back down. It's about 15 miles over three days, totally doable. It's very possible that I could not walk the next day (laughs) and I did watch movies uh when I got home for an entire day but it was so worth it and you know who doesn't want to watch movies all day great great time um and when I got back I watched Room and um Where to Invade Next the Michael Moore movie so if you feel like being super depressed definitely watch those two movies back to back (laughs) So it was great. I couldn't walk. I was super depressed, (laughs) and uh, yeah. Then the vacation continued, and I went for another awesome camping adventure in the Grayson Highlands in Virginia, where they have wild ponies. Yes, I said wild ponies. If you like ponies and you want to excite your inner five-year-old, you need to go there. It's amazing. It's It's right on the Appalachian Trail in in Virginia, and there are so many trails to hike. You can camp anywhere. It's breathtaking, again, and it's not that hard. It's not like the White Mountains where you're climbing a staircase. It's actually pretty easy. And then I went to Nashville for like four or five days, and in Nashville, I learned that I don't have the level of appreciation of music that I thought I had, (laughs) which when I thought about it, I was like, you know what? Maybe the reason why I'm not that concerned about having an opening song on my podcast is because I'm not that freaked out or concerned about music. Like, it just doesn't really cross my radar that much. I listen to it as background. I'll put it on when I'm working, but it's not a focal point in my life. So being in, like, the country music capital of the world... I don't know, I wasn't that excited about it, but it was cool to see all the recording studios and all the honky-tonk bars and how excited they were about it. I was mostly excited about Nashville's food options. Um, I just have two words. Sushi burrito. Yeah, I said sushi burrito. That's all I've been thinking about for the last two weeks. (laughs) That was the first thing I had when I got to Nashville. It blew my mind. Imagine holding a gigantic sushi roll in your hand. And it's also filled with seaweed salad and edamame and pickled ginger. And it's like five different kinds of fish. And it's wrapped in a seaweed wrap. It looks like a piece of sushi. It's crazy. And my husband got a deep fried burrito that had tempura batter on it. His burrito, I think, was 20 pounds. Um, The waiter had to carry it with both hands. when he came out. It was amazing. Anyway, Nashville is awesome. I learned that I love sushi burritos, don't care as much for music as I thought I did. And the last week, I've just been hanging out at home and just, you know, swinging in the hammock. So it's been a great couple weeks off. And now I'm ready to do this mystery episode with you. And here is what we're doing today. Okay. I just went through like 20 pages of notes from interviews I did with women who want to become paid speakers back in January when I was thinking about building my speaking school. And as I was reviewing these notes, I said, wow, there are so many good questions in here. And a lot of them didn't make it into the speaker school because it was just like, you know, when you know like enough is enough, like everything I had in there was it was a good amount of content. I didn't want to go nuts with more information. So these questions did not make it into the speaker school, but I thought it would be great to bring them up on the podcast. And so what I did is I cut them up into little slips of paper and I put them in a hat. And what I'm going to do today is, is pull them out of the hat one by one and answer them. And I'm going to do it in the course of 30 minutes. So I'm setting a timer I'm calling this a 30-minute Q&A party, and I'm going to just answer as many questions as I can in 30 minutes. That's pretty much it. And hopefully, you know, share some stories, give you some advice, make this meaningful for you. But these are the questions that I found were most common from the women I interviewed um, were, in you know, intriguing questions like, you know, why this? Why, how do you do that? And that I think will be you know, interesting to you. So, without further ado, I'm gonna set my alarm and I'm just gonna play the sound for you so you know what to listen for when the 30 minutes are up. This is what it sounds like. That is so relaxing. Okay. Let me just set that 30 minutes, okay. That baby is rolling. All right, you can probably hear all the little papers. I grab one. Unroll. Here we go. Question number one. How do you not be super boring on stage? <laughs> I remember the person who asked me this question and I was like, all right, I'm gonna write that down. And because she was concerned with getting on stage and everyone just staring like really tired sheep just staring. Can you imagine that is that is actually a speaker's worst nightmare being stared at with no emotion and no expression and no interest. So I'm sure you've thought about that. Like, what if that happens to me? Well, I'm going to give you some ideas so that that doesn't happen to you. So how do you not be super boring on stage? First, (laughs) this is important. You have to recognize your audience is alive. Yes, they are alive. And you have to talk with them, not at them. It's kind of like, sometimes I think of an audience as like a child. Like, I don't have children, but I know that when I'm with kids and I start just like rambling on and on, they totally lose interest and they're not afraid to show it. They're just like, yeah, okay, are you done yet? Yeah, I want to go play. What else? What else? Come on, come on, come on. Adults are a little bit more polite and they won't say that, but they're thinking it. So instead of just rambling on and on and on, I want you to talk with them, which means ask them a question, engage them, or tell a joke, Um, ask them to move around, or ask them to talk to each other. When you get them involved, there's no way you'll be super boring, because now they're, they're part of the presentation. They're part of the conversation. They're no longer you know, this like cardboard cutout of a human sitting in a chair, they're now a living, breathing entity (laughs) that is part of your presentation. And you have to remember that they want to be entertained and they want to be involved. They don't want to hear you talk for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. They really want to be part of that conversation. So here are some telltale signs that you are super boring they're looking at their phone um you probably already know this because maybe it happens to you in real life maybe if you're out to dinner with a friend or you're talking to somebody and they just start talking they start looking at their phone that's because they're bored not that that's okay i'm just gonna mention right now that i think that's the most annoying thing on earth when people do that and it happens all the time it's like somehow become acceptable that's a sidebar. But really, if your audience is looking at their phone, they've tuned you out. You're no longer being heard. So that's a telltale sign that you're being super boring. Um, another one is if they're looking at their watch or a clock on the wall. I know a lot of people don't wear watches anymore, but I do. And some people some people do. Maybe people over like 50 perhaps do. <laughs> um so if they are looking at their watch or the clock, that means they're waiting for it to end. That means they're, they're sort of like counting down the minutes until they get to breathe fresh air and feel revitalized and when they can stop feeling like they're dying inside. So if you notice that, that's a moment for you to go, oh, I need to engage with them. I need to actually start having a conversation and doing something that interests them and stop rambling. The third thing is... If they're not looking at you or if they're looking down, maybe they're not looking at their phone, but they're maybe thinking about other things like, well, did I feed the cat this morning? I don't know. Where is the cat? You know, like they're not involved in what you are saying anymore. So you have to notice the eye contact or a lack of eye contact also have their expression list. And you know, not every single person is extremely emotive. We've all heard of like, you know, that that resting face that <laughs> makes people look like they're not happy. But if nobody's like smiling or like has that look like I can't wait to hear what she says next, that's probably cuz you're being super boring. And if they're not asking questions, and I know that sometimes that's not an option, you, you have questions at the end, but if they don't look like they're at least interested in what you're saying, there's a good chance that their face isn't lying. And you need to listen to that and improvise. And you can tell a good speaker from an, a, de- a detached or unaware speaker because when this moment happens, when you're being super boring, a good speaker will change the, the, the game, they'll shift into a different gear, they'll make something happen that gets everyone interested. And uh, a less aware speaker will just keep going with it. And that's unfortunate, because it's a huge missed opportunity. When you're when you lose your audience, and you don't bring them back in, because now everyone's just wasting time. And when you're on stage, you want that time to be a moment for you to shine, because that's your audition, and that's that's your audition for your next speaking gig. And if everyone in that audience is being put to sleep by you, they don't remember you. They're you're you're mem- you're you're not memorable. You haven't changed their life, and you haven't given them a reason to take action when they leave, except to walk out of the room so it will be over. You know, I. I think this is a really important point, and I'm glad this question was was asked because I think this is where a lot of speakers sort of miss the boat in recognizing that they're the leader and they have to take control of the situation when the room is lost, okay? So how to not be super boring on stage is pay attention to your audience's cues because they're telling you they're bored and then taking control of the situation by engaging them and having a conversation. So that was question number one. How do you not be super boring on stage? I'm going to look for question number two here. Let's see. How do you go from couch to stage? That's a cool question. It's like the couch to 5K thing. I know a lot of my friends are doing that, trying to get in shape for marathons and, you know, short 5Ks. This is a great question. Like, how do you go from... Being a, a non-speaker to a speaker? What are the first steps you have to take? And I always give the same advice for any question like that has to do with how do you get started. I say go with the lowest barrier to entry, the, the place that will most likely take you if you ask them to speak. And do you want to guess what it is? You can say it out loud because I can't hear you, and even if you're wrong, it doesn't matter. Any guesses? The answer is public libraries. Public libraries are always looking for free quality programming to offer the community. They usually don't pay, but that's fine because it's a good place to get experience and get your name out. It's awesome because you're actually going to have a live audience that's not your pet or your family and you're going to get to practice speaking. In front of actual human strangers who can give you feedback. And now there are people in the world who know what you do and can tell their friends about you. So the best way to go from couch to stage is to book a speaking gig at a library and once you have one on the calendar, then then you have to build it, right? You can't just like show up and like have a staring contest. So it's good to book a, an hour long workshop. That's the perfect amount of time and shoot for 45 minutes of content. And like I said, you want it to be engaging. I, I love using worksheets because you get people involved in actually doing the work while they're in the room and then you get to talk about it because they've now done some of the work that you're teaching them and you can have a discussion. And then the last 15 minutes, you do Q and A, any questions they have about anything you said or didn't say on the subject you're presenting. This is a super easy format to get started. All you have to do is prepare 45 minutes of content. And so questions to ask yourself when building your workshop, who is this workshop for? It's always good to first think about who your audience is. You know, are they women? Are they young? Are they older? Are they professionals? Are they gardeners? Are they men? Are they women? Like these questions are places to start so that you can start thinking about your target customer as you're putting your workshop together. And then the question of what problem am I solving for them needs to be addressed This is so important because people go to workshops, people read how-to books, people take classes because they want a result. They want to know something at the end. So you have to know where they want to end up so you know how to get them there. And as the workshop presenter, that's your job. And then what solutions am I offering? So just ask yourself those three questions Who's my audience? What problem am I solving? And what solutions am I offering? And you can build a whole workshop just with those three questions. Remember to make it engaging. Use a worksheet, like just really simple five-minute exercises is enough to just have them like get engaged and then have something to talk about. So I think including questions, group work, clear outcomes, those are a great place to start. And you know what? Your first speaking gig does not need to be perfect. I'm just going to say that again. Your first speaking gig does not need to be perfect. And you know what? Your 500th speaking gig does not need to be perfect. Neither does your 5,000th. Because life is just a series of experiments. And I think we get really caught up in trying to make everything perfect and the best and right, right away. And that's what stops us from taking action. So if you want to go from couch to stage, literally do that. By actually presenting. Don't say you're going to do it. Don't say you're going to call the library. Don't say you're going to put together a workshop. Actually do it. And then once you've done it, you can change it from there and make it better the second time and the third time and the fourth time. And you can go to more libraries. I think I talked at like 50 libraries my first year. (laughs) I I was like the library queen. I should have had, like, a book just, like, glued on my back. Like, that was my, like, part of my life. It was always at libraries. <laughs> and it was kind of cool because, like, there are some really awesome libraries out there. But if you want to know how to go from couch to stage, you know, just, just make it happen. Like, don't stop waiting. Just, just get out there and schedule one. And I'm sure you can come up with 25,000 reasons why you can't. But I challenge you, no, I dare you to come up with one reason why you should and follow that. Okay. We're going to go to the third question. Search around in my little box here. Number three, what are people interested in right now? Hmm. I guess I have two answers for this question. The first answer is, it depends on what your customer needs. Because if you know that You want to speak to women who are in executive positions and in corporations. Well, you need to know what's important to them. So instead of trying to make up problems you think they have, instead, talk to them. Find 20 women in your target customer group and interview them. You could do, I I always recommend face-to-face because you can see body language and it's just so much more meaningful than over the phone. But whatever you do, and I swear I will be so mad at you if you do this, do not send them an electronic survey like SurveyMonkey. Do not do that. That is so much less helpful than having an actual conversation with your target customer about what they want. Please do not do that. This is the most important step you can take in determining what you're going to talk about and how you're going to get paid and why people are going to hire you. So do not half-ass this step. You have to set up meetings. It can be phone calls if you absolutely have to and they're across the world or whatever, but I would recommend grabbing a coffee with them, having this person come to your office or go to their office and sit with them for 20 minutes and ask them questions about their challenges. What gets in the way of being successful? What are your daily challenges? What are the things that you feel hold you back from being more successful? If you have a goal to accomplish and you don't, why is that? All of these questions will give you so much insight into your customer and what they really need that you can just build speeches off of all their answers. And when you find the consistencies, like so many of them saying, I don't know how to negotiate for a higher pay rate. If you find 30 women who say that, I think your answer is right there. You don't have to go out and scour the internet for topics. They've already given you a topic. So the research piece is very important, and you have to be able to probe and really listen to them and really understand what's at the heart of their challenges so you can provide real solutions. So that's the first half of my question. In a more general sense of what people are interested in right now, like if you're, you already know what your target customer wants, and now you're trying to maybe grow that or think about new angles for it. Entrepreneurship is like the hottest topic on the planet right now. It feels like everywhere you turn, people are starting a business. People are leaving their job to be a freelancer. People are becoming consultants. People are you know, doing a startup. They're joining an accelerator. They're getting venture capital funding. I think this topic is not only for people leaving their job, but I think it's also important for an entrepreneurial mindset, for people who have a job and are working within a corporation. It's called Um, entrepreneurship. And this like concept of being a problem solver, being proactive, trying to change the world in some way that is infiltrating like every topic on the planet, because people are starting to realize like, hey, we can't just wait for things to change. We have to actually do that ourselves. So integrating this topic of entrepreneurship into your topics, or starting a whole um, business based on that topic, I think would be huge. Also, uh, millennials. I don't know. Like, you know, the people who are in their 20s and early 30s. I guess I qualify as a millennial. I'm actually I was born in 1981. I'm 35. So I'm like right on the cusp of Gen X and millennial. But I guess a lot of baby boomers and some Gen Xers don't know how to work with millennials. So the topic of how to promote, how to um, motivate, how to work with millennials is still a hot topic, so you could still write about that, speak about that customer service and differentiation is another hot topic a lot of companies are realizing they can't just have the bare minimum of like an faq on their website you have to actually have a good experience with a customer service human who can actually help you and make you feel warm and fuzzy and like they actually care so teaching those skills is important also content marketing like podcasting blogs all of these types of content fueled marketing methods that are really effective. But how do you do it? So being able to talk about that subject is huge. Also, um, creativity and innovation, always big topics, especially now, it seems like creativity is less of like an artsy thing, and more of like a really valuable, valuable skill within a lot of companies, because they're starting to realize like, wow, we really need to innovate. <laughs> you know, we need to maybe disrupt our own industry. We need to do things differently. And, and creativity and harnessing creativity is a big part of that. Question number four. I'm going to do a little digging. How do you know which venues are right for you? Ooh, good one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming this person's asking because... They don't want to spend a lot of time speaking at conferences and nonprofits and schools if it's not a good match for the goals of their company and the types of content they have to offer in their speeches. So if you're wondering where do you speak, where do you target to create your speaking strategy, the answer is in the audience. Who's your audience and where do they hang out? That's basically just like chase them. <laughs> like go where they go you remember like in fifth grade when you used to chase that person around the playground you liked it's the same idea just like chase them around where they go if you have a target customer who loves to go to conferences and you know maybe networking events that's where you should speak if your target customer doesn't go to conferences and networking events but they love to go to meetups or they like to go to like weekend retreats that's where you should speak So it's pretty easy. You just have to know who you're talking to and then find out where they hang out. And if you can solve their problems, um, then they'll listen to you. (laughs) It's pretty pretty simple, right? So it kind of builds off of the last question, so I'm glad that I pulled them out in this order. Once you know what they're looking for, and you know who they are, now you just have to go find out where they hang out. And that could be one of the questions you ask them in your interview, like, where do you get information about business? And how do you solve your current problems? Maybe they do it by reading blog posts. They might not even go to events. In that case, you should be writing a lot of blog posts. And then when you go speak, they'll already know who you are and they'll recognize your face and maybe that will make them come to the event. So I think the the key question here is to always ask yourself, are my people here? Are my people here? Are my people here? Are my people here? And just always be looking for your people. And when you find them, speak there. Alright. Going to question number five. Reaching in the gigantic hat. I have a top hat that is at least six feet tall. Okay, it's not it's like six inches, but like this is the radio, theater of the mind, okay? Number five. How do you stand out among all the other speakers? This question is a doozy. I'm not sure if I should go with the one minute answer or the 12 hour answer. I'll, I think I'll go with somewhere in the middle. You stand out among all the other speakers by doing one thing. And it's simple, but it's the hardest thing in the world. Ready? You be yourself. I swear. That's it. Just be yourself. And here's why that's scary. Because we're afraid that we're weird. And when you're afraid that you're weird, the last thing you want to do is be yourself. Right? You'd rather be anybody but you. But what's really interesting is that when you just let yourself be really weird, people love you for it. I swear... Name one person you love who's a speaker or an artist or musician or an actor or I don't know, like someone who you look up to as a role model and ask yourself, is that, are they being their authentic self? I bet you anything they are. And the reason you love them is because they're just owning it and you know, they're weird and you love them for it. I know so many weird people, and I'm just, like, psyched that they're living their weird life. <laughs> they're, like, being as weird as they possibly can, and I love them more for it. And I don't know anybody who would say differently. Like, I wish I could think of some examples right now. <laughs> oh, Weird Al Yankovic. I mean, it's, it's in his name. He's the weirdest guy, but people love him for his weirdness. He's truly owning his craft. He's owning the art that is truly him by just like making parody music. It's, it's, it's just his thing. Like he loves it and he does it and people love him for it. There are so many people out there who are just owning their weirdness. And that's how you stand out because people remember you for your quirks and the things that make you, you, but we're so afraid of showing that. Like the second people know that you're weird, do you think they're going to run away? No, they're going to love you more. And the people who don't love you, they'll be repelled and you won't see them. But the the thing is, we all sort of have this like spectrum of how much we can be ourselves. We can be 100% ourselves or 0% ourselves. Ask yourself, how much of my day do I spend being myself? If it's over 75%, I would say you're doing great. I'm guessing that's a very small percentage of the population. I think a lot of people walk around fearing being themselves because they don't want to be called out for it. They don't want to be scrutinized. They don't want to be made fun of. Even though we're adults, that still stays with us. So we try to blend in and follow the rules and do what everyone tells us to do. And not that... You know, being yourself means not following the rules, but you know what I'm saying? Like by just following your intuition, being your authentic self, and you get up on stage with that, people are going to connect with you like crazy because that's real connection. You're really putting yourself out there, your vulnerability, your true feelings, your true thoughts. And that's why people will talk about you. That's why people will hire you to come and speak. And that's how you'll become famous as a speaker. I promise. So as much as the answer is simple to just be yourself, I know that it's the hardest thing to do. But again, I'm going to give you another dare. I dare you to be yourself. And it may take you years, depending on how far you are from your your center, port, center point of selfness, whatever that is, but <laughs> you know what I mean. It may take you years to get there because you've been playing a part for so long, and that's fine, because every day, I want you to chip away at it. Just chip away, chip away. And that means listening to your intuition. When someone asks, oh, do you like sports? I want you to ask yourself, do I like sports? You know what? I don't care about sport. I don't like sports. When I, when I mentioned earlier that when I was on vacation, I realized I didn't really care that much about music, it was a really weird moment for me because I'm like, God, am I like one of those weird pr- people who just like doesn't care about music? <laughs> and I felt like, I, felt like I, I don't appreciate art. I'm like, how can I not love music? And, and I felt weird like all day about that one revelation. And then I finally was like, I, does it change anything that I don't like music? No, it really doesn't. I mean, I do like music, but I'm not like hardcore into music. You know what I mean? And and just having that revelation and owning that revelation was a huge moment for me because I was getting closer to my, my my center point of selfness, which is now a thing that I just created five seconds ago. So that's the goal is to get to your center point of selfness by being honest with yourself about what you care about, what you don't care about, what you want and what you don't want. And the more you are able to honestly answer questions about your preferences and about your interests and about you know your feelings the more authentic you can be on stage and the more you'll stand out and the bigger you'll become that's a prediction that's the truth you heard it here first let's go to our next question let me just do a quick time check oh my god we only have four minutes left oh my god, i'm are on the sixth question i'm talking way too much okay question number six how do I choose what to talk about? This is a great question. It's a trifecta. There are three things you need to be thinking about when you're picking your speaking topic. And one of them we already talked about, which is what your, what your audience wants to hear about. But you know, the, uh, the example I gave of negotiation, maybe you don't care about negotiation. Maybe it's hard for you to get fired up about that topic. So how are you going to stand on stage and get other people fired up about it? That's a great question. So what I want you to ask yourself is, what am I good at? That's your first question. Your second question is, where have I been most successful? And this is an important question because this will point to the places where you have shined (laughs) like a light, like the sun. Because when you like something, you'll typically work harder at it and you'll stick with it and that's what makes you successful. So if you're if you make a list of the things you're good at and the things you've been most successful at, I want you to then make a third list of what people ask you about all the time. Because this is this is a really telling question. What people ask you about all the time tells you that people notice you're good at something and they want you to help them with it. I have a friend who hiked the Appalachian Trail she's the person i went hiking with on the white in the white mountains and i had about 400 plus questions about hiking on the way up the mountain i'm sure she was like oh i'm so glad i took her hiking <laughs> I was like so fascinated and i knew that she had all the answers so i was asking her like what are the best kinds of socks to wear and like do you recommend that like i get my own camping stove and like how what kind of tent should i get and should i like wear a hanky on my head or like you know like a thousand quite like just <laughs> so far out there But I was asking her those questions because I knew she was credible. I knew she was successful at camping and hiking, and I knew she was good at it. So when you think about the questions people ask you most frequently, it's because they see you as an expert. And if other people see you as an expert, you've already like won half the battle. All you have to do now is see yourself as the expert. And I'll tell you that for seven years, I was a career and business coach. And public speaking was something I did to share my ideas as a career and business coach. And it wasn't until December of 2015 seven months ago, when I actually sat down and asked myself these three questions. What am I good at? Where have I been most successful? And what do people ask me about all the time? And the one consistency in all three lists was public speaking. It was so obvious once I created these lists that I should be talking about public speaking until I'm blue in the face. Because this is the thing that has totally shaped my life since I started my business seven years ago. And I don't even think I have fully shared my whole public speaking story on this podcast yet. But when I do, which may be mystery episode number 20, I think you're going to understand why I've decided to take this path of helping to train women to become paid speakers. It's it's been a crazy, crazy journey and I wouldn't change it for the world. And I feel luckier than ever to have this opportunity to be in this position to share and to train and to inspire women to just get up on stage and just like inspire the crap out of everybody. So question number six, how do I choose what to talk about? Ask yourself what you're good at. Ask yourself where you've been most successful and ask yourself, what do people ask me about all the time? All right. Let me see if we have time for question. Number seven. We have 15 seconds. I'm gonna make this one really short. Number seven. Do you need to write do you need to write a book to be a paid speaker? No. But it helps. That's all I have to say about that. We're, and we're out of time. All right. We didn't get to 10 questions. I was hoping we would, but that's okay. I think we got some good quality information in here tonight. And I'm going to save these questions for future podcasts. Maybe I'll even throw them in at random times. Maybe shake it up a little bit, a little bit of mystery in every episode. Um, This was fun. We should definitely do it again. And I want to say that coming up in episode 11... Um, I have a really awesome guest named Kelly Coffey, who is the international sabotage slayer, who's going to come on and talk to us about why people sabotage themselves. And this is an awesome topic because I've trained women who want to become speakers and they pick their topic and they figure out their speaking plan. They create their speaking website, web page, they build out their workshop and then they sit there and they don't do anything. And I'm like, hey, are you going to book a gig? Oh, yeah, I'm not really ready yet. And I want Kelly to talk to us about why we're stopping ourselves from becoming successful speakers. What is getting in our way? And she's going to talk about her journey with sabotage. And it's f- so fascinating. Like she has, a, she's she's so hilarious, too. I'm sure we'll be laughing for like 75 percent of the interview, but I think you should still tune in. And. I also want to add that my Speaking School for Women is opening up again on September 29th, and registration opens September 12th. If you want more information between now and then, you can always email me, because I'm happy to talk with you about what, what goes on in the school and see if it's a fit for you. My email is Angela at and all the information about the Speaking School is on my website, which is AngelaLuciere.us.com. And, um, I think that's pretty much it for now, but I definitely recommend checking that out because it's coming up and I already have a a list of women who are interested. I'm only taking 20. So if you want to get on that short list, please do get on that. And I look forward to seeing you next week. And thanks so much for tuning in to podcast episode number 10. We have made a milestone together. I'm happy to have done it with you and I look forward to talking to you again next week. All right, signing off.